0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Power Sweep podcast presented by North Coast Sports. I'm Antonio Castro, joined once again, as always, uh, by Chris Van Dyne. We are two of the top handicappers here at North Coast Sports. And uh, before we get into this week's show, just want to congratulate all of our subscribers uh, to the Sweep newsletter on a fantastic five-star easy winner last week on Clemson over Georgia Tech. No question, no doubt about that one is an easy winner. Now we've won uh, back-to-back five stars in the month of September. Three out of the last four years, our September five-star has come through for all of you guys. So uh, congratulations on that winner. And I uh, want to let you guys know, our NFL top play this year so far, three weeks top play three wins it's a perfect three and oh if you want to do the math there and guess what our nfl game of the month is going this sunday and you can get that game of the month for as low as just 69 dollars. that would include all of our sunday late phone selections and as well as our monday night marquee for as low as 69 dollars. all you have to do is give us a call in our office uh it's at one 800 654 or you can go online to our website obviously at ncsports.com now we are going to have uh, again our, our special uh, uh, power sweep pick at the end of this podcast I uh, did Push last week on Utah State against Air Force, but we did give you two back-to-back winners to open up this season. So right now, our free plays that we've given out on this podcast, perfect 2-0, the one push last week. Okay, now, going into this week, we we've, we've picked some good games out this week. Obviously, uh, you got the... Uh, Big college game day is going to be at at, at uh, Happy Valley for the Ohio State-Penn State game. We're going to break that game down. We're going to go uh, take a look at the West Virginia-Texas Tech game, Oregon-Cal, South Carolina-Kentucky. Uh, we're also going to give you a, a free... Uh, winner in our uh, in our Power Sweep newsletter, but uh, you know, first and foremost, let's uh, go in like we always do. We usually touch on the SEC as uh, for our first matchup. We're going to do that again. It's worked well for us so far this season. Uh, got Florida taking on Mississippi State, a.k.a. the Dan Mullen Bowl. Uh, both these teams' identical records, 3-1, and one, both straight up and against the spread. Mississippi State laying just over a touchdown right now as we do this podcast. Mississippi State is favored uh, by 8 going into this game. And, uh, Chris, I got to tell you, you know, Felipe Franks, and you're looking at Florida's quarterback, you look at his as numbers, and you see his ratio, and you say, wow, he's got a 12-2 ratio. Dan Mullen is really, really fir- uh, fixing things with him. Uh, but then I look at it and I see as completion percentage. Still not great, 53%. And if you take out that first game that Felipe Franks had in Florida had versus the FCS team, uh, against FBS foes, that ratio goes down to 7-2, and, and the completion percentage drops to just 48%. And when I say that, I look at Mississippi State, who's held all three of their foes to season lows in yards, uh, holding opponents to 169 yards, a game below their season average. That actually ranks number four in all of college football, Chris. I just don't see Florida being able to hang with Mississippi State here, even though Dan Mullen knows all those players inside and out because he
1: recruited them. Well, the the one thing with Florida right now is they did have that that big loss uh, against Kentucky, broke the thirty one year winning streak against the Wildcats. But then they've come back and bounced back and won their last two games. They've won those last two games by sixty four combined points against Colorado State and Tennessee. You think, wow. They really got it together. They're really playing well. Are they? They've only outgained those two teams by 54 yards. So both wins were extremely deceiving. At one point last week against Tennessee, they were up 33-6, to but were down 11 yards in the third quarter. So they've had some uh, deceiving wins. In the last two weeks, they've had one block punt touchdown, a fumble recovery touchdown against Colorado State kicked two field goals after turnovers without having to gain a single yard. And against Tennessee, they had touchdown drives of 21, 7, and 19 all off of turnovers. So, part of it is being an opportunistic defense, but their offense, while they've put up a lot of points, hasn't really had to move the ball much because they've been given just beautiful situations to play under. Who wouldn't want to be plus five in turnovers like they were last week against Tennessee? So, the Gators being back and playing well after these last two games, I question how much the Dan Mullen really hasn't back quite yet. Uh, Gator strength is in their run game, averaging 5.8 yards per carry, 189 yards a game. Well, now they have to deal with Mississippi State's run, D, which has been stout, holding teams to 121 yards a game, 3.2 yards a carry. Now, the Bulldogs did get run all over last week against Kentucky, 229 yards in that game. But last time I checked, Florida does not have Benny Snell. They have some good running backs, Jordan Scarlett. Uh, Malik Davis is injured right now, so he won't be available. Uh, P. Ryan is another solid back, but it's actually a true freshman's leading him in rushing right now, Damian Pierce. So they're, they're kind of uh, running by committee right now. And uh, Mississippi State run D, led by Jeffrey Simmons, is not going to let them do what Benny Snell did to them. They're not going to have that kind of performance two weeks in a row. Mississippi State's running the ball well, uh, as usual with Fitzgerald, but they've also got a couple very capable backs in Aris Williams, who was a 1,000-yard running back last year. And then Kylan Hill, who ran for two, over 200 yards against Kansas State just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Mississippi State, plus 174 yards per game against three FBS foes. Florida's only minus 13 yards per game against their three FBS foes. Gators are in a 1-9 and nine against a spread run as a dog. They're on back-to-back road games. Give me the give me the Bulldogs here. I'm taking Mississippi State in the points.
0: Yeah, minus the points. Yeah, I, I could see yeah. Mississippi State winning by two touchdowns in this game, and uh, I wouldn't even blink an eye. All right, now going on. Uh, let's go to uh, Big Twelve com- uh, uh, country here. And uh, the top 25 matchup, we've got the West Virginia Mountaineers going on the road, taking on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, two high-flying, potent offenses, two coaches that are very friendly with one another And Dana Hogerson, and, of course, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, West Virginia undefeated on the season, not only on the scoreboard, but in Vegas as well, 3-0. and uh, Texas Tech has that one loss, uh, both straight up and ATS, both teams playing at a high level right now. Texas Tech coming off their most impressive victory. If you look at the uh, the lines right now, you've got West Virginia laying three and a half on the road. The total is 77. And normally you look at a West Virginia and Texas Tech game and you would be like, oh, well, that's an over all the way. But 77 might be a little bit pricey uh, uh, for this matchup. But, you know, when I, when I was looking at this game, Chris, and going over the Big 12 like I do each and every week, uh, you know the first off first thing I do is I look at last year's matchup last year, Texas Tech went on the road to Morgantown. They were in total control of this game. They had a three hundred and thirty eight to one hundred and seventy four yard edge at the half. They led this game thirty five to seventeen in Morgantown with under six minutes left in the third quarter. Then the bottom fell out. They allowed four unanswered touchdowns. West Virginia wins going away, and it looks like it's a it's a blowout win wasn't the case at all. This year, Texas Tech, they're at home. They're much better than last year. They have 10 starters back on defense. They have our number 11 ranked pass efficiency defense in the in the entire country. So I think while Will Greer is special, I love what I see out of the guy. His, his accuracy is uncanny uh, for a college-level player. I think he's going to have it uh, a little bit of trouble back-to-back weeks. He had a couple of picks last week against Kansas State. Kansas State has a pretty stout pass defense. Texas Tech is right up there. Uh, Texas Tech's off their best defensive performance of the season in Stillwater. They, hold, they held the pokes to over 200 yards less than what they were averaging coming in. So I was really impressed with that, Texas. Tech uh, defense last week. Their true freshman uh, quarterback, Alan Bowman. This is a kid, he's a true freshman, but only in by name. I mean, he threw 80 touchdown passes the last two years of high school. He was in for the spring. He knows the system. He's got a quick release. And... He's not going to be, uh, you know, afraid of the of any kind of pressure. I mean, he followed up his 600-yard performance in, in two weeks ago with nearly 400 yards last week in Stillwater. West Virginia counters with just our number 102-ranked pass efficiency D. That's worse than Oklahoma State's pass efficiency defense. I'll take Texas Tech plus the points. I don't even think they're going to need them, Chris. I think Texas Tech is going
1: to win this game outright. I love that pick. Uh, My friend, uh, good friend Aaron from Steubenville, Ohio, a town that loves their football and loves uh, college football and gambling in general, sent me a question specifically about the total you mentioned in this game, Antonio. uh, Wondering if 77 points was nearly high enough for these two explosive offenses. One of the things we look at when we look at totals is our Power Plays newsletter, which is another newsletter offered by North Coast Sports. And there's... A lot of value in power plays. It's a computer-generated box score for every game. And we look at this every week when we use totals. And we've done very well on on our totals. At one point, we won 12 weeks in a row. We hit our top total. Uh, Calls for 72 points in this game. So it's not, uh, not necessarily as high scoring as you might think, mainly because West Virginia's defense has played pretty well this year. Texas Tech's defense, with the 10 returning starters back, also playing very well off that uh, impressive performance last week and showed a lot of improvement from the week uh, a couple weeks ago where they gave up 635 to Houston, but a lot of improvement there. So uh, Texas Tech, you know, looking like they've got things together on defense. They lost the opener to Ole Miss. Bowman's led them to three straight wins. They've seen explosive offenses all season long. They've seen Houston, Ole Miss. Now they're seeing West Virginia. They saw Oklahoma State. So they're used to having to deal with these high, high-powered high offenses. Uh, West Virginia's defense did play well against Kansas State, but their offense is struggling. So uh, right now, I- I've got to like Texas Tech as well. They're 14-8 as a home dog, West Virginia traveling for the first time all season. And uh, w- one thing I do want to mention also with power plays, if you want to get this newsletter, definitely go to ncsports.com. Our four-and-a-half stars right now – 8-1, 89% in the last four weeks. So definitely something you want to check out, whether you want to look for totals or you just want to find some star-rated plays as well there.
0: Definitely, and you know, I guess if I was leaning one way or the other on this total, Chris, I would honestly I would lean with the under in this because I think West Virginia, or excuse me, Texas Tech, their defense is playing better. And like you mentioned, I want to piggyback on that. They've seen some explosive offenses already three times this season. So West Virginia is not going to bring anything to them that they haven't seen already. And uh, I just think the total is probably right around what the number is. But a gun to my head, I would actually go with the under in this one. All right, let's move on to the uh, to the West Coast Pac 12 another top 25 matchup taking place crucial matchup in the Pac 12 North because Oregon can't can't uh cannot stand to lose another game they come in 3 and 1 uh straight up just 1 and 3 against the spread uh taking on the number 24 ranked Cal Bears in Berkeley they're undefeated so far 3 and 0 but they're just 1 and 2 against the spread and when I take a look at this game Chris and I and I kind of uh broke this down you know the interesting thing Obviously Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert is one of those guys that has NFL scouts and uh, you know drooling all over him based on his size and athletic ability. Uh in this game last year, he was 7 of 8 for 81 yards and had two touchdowns just in one quarter. Guess what? He broke his collarbone, missed the next five games. So I think Justin Herbert's going to come back out this year. He's going to uh, be a little angry at, after what happened in last year's meeting as far as him getting hurt uh, and, and really look to take it out on, on Cal this year, continue on that, that dominant first quarter that he had. Uh, despite losing their leader in that game, Oregon still put up 45 points and won by three touchdowns uh, against Cal last year. Now, when I look at Cal, There's no doubt about it. They have a solid secondary. This is a as best of a Cal secondary as they've had in years. And as a matter of fact, they're ranked number eight in our pass efficiency rankings. However, uh, you know Herbert did what he did last week uh, against Stanford. Stanford actually had a better pass efficiency defense uh, than than Cal does this week. Stanford had our number five ranked pass efficiency defense going into the game last week. And guess what Herbert did? All he did was complete 79% of his passes for 346 yards. Uh, Oregon should have. Uh, off a a terrible misleading game against Stanford should have beaten them handily Uh, they were going they were well on their way to a three touchdown lead before a fumbled snap over the head of the of the quarterback went got returned back for a touchdown for Stanford and that really changed the whole entire complexion of the game I think Oregon's angry they're only laying three points on the road at Cal I'll take that all day give me Cal or give me Oregon minus the points I think they're going to cover in this game against Cal
1: well, I also looked at the Oregon defense in this game, and the, the one thing that stood out to me is how well they've stopped the run, only allowing 76 yards a game, 2.1 yards a carry. And the Ducks have 13 sacks this year, so they're getting after the quarterback, outside linebacker Justin Hollins, four sacks, adding another three-and-a-half tackles for loss. Cal's running for 186 yards a game, but their leading rusher, Patrick Laird, only 2.9 yards a carry. Not very explosive in the run game, so Oregon can make them one-dimensional, which would be a serious problem for Cal. Oregon's plus 182 yards a game, very impressive. Cal plus 84 yards a game, but the thing that bothers me about the Bears here, outgained by a suspension-depleted North Carolina team traveling across the country in the opener. So I'm with you. I've got the Ducks here. I'll take. I'll give the points. Oregon's also owned this series, won eight of the last nine, covered in seven of those. So I'll take I'll uh, take the Ducks here.
0: It's not a it's not a knock on Wilcox, Justin Wilcox, the head coach of Cal uh, either. I think he's he's just done a a, a dynamite job in rebuilding this Cal. Uh, this Cal program up, and uh, I think they, they are going to have success, but just not this week. I think Oregon, uh, like you said, Chris, we should be able to handle that number no problem at all. Uh, we did open it up to uh, the fans out there last week and asked uh, if you had any questions for Chris or I on the podcast to so just go ahead and you could tweet us uh, the, the our, our uh, ha- Twitter handle, NC Sports and the number one. That's NC Sports, the number one. And uh, the question that we picked out this week uh, come from, comes from the Land underscore 216, and it's a great question. It says, given that Kentucky is in the top 25 for the first time in over a decade, do you think they will come out strong or fall flat like some teams do after reaching the top 25 for the first team in a while? Great question. We saw that just last week in Boston College going on the road at Purdue. Boston College came in ranked for the first time in, what, about 10 years and just fell flat on their face, Chris, in a a very, very uh, disturbing performance. But, uh, you know, when you look at Kentucky, it's kind of weird. I mean, you go back, Kentucky's ranked, obviously, for the first time since 2007. Uh, You go back to that 07 season, Chris, whenever they did become ranked back then— I went back and I looked. I could. I went back all the way to 90. In over 17 years, Kentucky hadn't been ranked. They responded back in that 07 season with back to back double digit wins after being ranked. So, uh, when you look at uh, history as far as team history, like Kentucky, they have had success in this role. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens this week. But. I gotta ask, what's more amazing to you—the fact that Kentucky is actually ranked for the first time in 07 or the fact that they've won four straight in this series against South Carolina? You think of Kentucky, you think of basketball, obviously, but the number 17 ranked Wildcats uh, have owned this series lately. They're four and zero this year. Uh, they're they're actually favored at home, not laying much. It's only it's basically about a pick 'em game. I mean, Kentucky's favored by one and a half points, but uh, so you know, basically about a, a pick 'em. You mentioned earlier, Chris, about running back Benny Snell. You know, in last year's meeting, he had to dig and claw his way to a tough 102 yards. Over 30 carries it took him to get that. Uh, I think he's going to have a much easier time this year, though. He's already rushed for 175 yards at Florida. He ran for 165 yards versus Mississippi State. I put those two SEC teams, Chris, as having similar rush Ds as South Carolina uh, is going to bring into this week's game. So I don't think Benny Snell is going to have a problem running the ball, and I think Kentucky's going to come out of this game, remain undefeated, remaining ranked, and going to hand South Carolina the fifth straight series loss.
1: Well, you asked what was more amazing between those two things, and uh, it's got to be the Kentucky four-game four game series winning streak over South Carolina to me. The, the intriguing thing is it's their only four-game winning streak that the program's had and against an SEC East foe not named Vanderbilt. So they've never done this before as far as owning a team in the SEC East. That particular 07 team you mentioned uh, a couple weeks later, they had a big win over the number 1-ranked team in the country uh, with, with LSU. That team ended up being the, num- uh, the national champion that year. So uh, the pedigrees there, that was an Andre Woodson-led team at Kentucky that I actually really enjoyed watching. Uh, one thing that uh, you mentioned that Benny Snell might have an easier time this year. Well, in, in that favor, South Carolina's Buck linebacker, DJ Wanham, who was a stout player for them last year, has been injured. He won't be available this week. Uh, led the team in sacks and tackles for loss last year. And that Buck linebacker position is very important in that defense. And it, it allows them to rush the passer as well as set the edge on uh, on against the run. So not having him could seriously hurt when you're playing a guy with the caliber of Benny Snell. On the flip side, Kentucky's defense has been just outstanding lately. Uh, holding Mississippi State to 106 rushing yards. Uh, And that's a Mississippi State team that is used to just pounding the rock. Uh, Kentucky's plus 148 yards a game. They're playing really well in pass defense. You talk about a team that has uh, long cornerbacks, three corners that are 6'3 or taller at Kentucky. So Bentley is going to have problems, especially because – uh, some of the Florida, some of the South Carolina receivers like Debo Samuel, not the tallest, uh, a little smaller and shiftier. So if, if uh, those Kentucky corners can get their hands on them, move them around a little bit, it's going to be tough for South Carolina receivers to get open. I've got Kentucky winning this game. It is a tough one to call. Kentucky, uh, South Carolina has done well as a dog in the last year and a half, but I'm going to take the Wildcats here and call for them to c- continue this role.
0: Yeah, so to answer the question, uh, we do not feel that Kentucky will be in a flat spot here. Uh, I think they're going to ride this momentum that, they, that they're that they having so far in this 2018 season and, and go along uh, with the series history and think that they're going to go off and uh, win this game. All right, now moving on to perhaps the game of the weekend. Well, ESPN thinks so. They're sending college game day out to uh, College Station to the Nittany Lions and uh, you know to, to Penn State, uh, excuse me for a whiteout. Uh, number four, Ohio State, obviously undefeated at four and zero. Penn State ranked number nine, obviously undefeated at four and zero. Both come in also this exact same record, uh, according to Vegas. Both three and one against the spread. Uh, Ohio State right now three and a half point favorites. Now the the main question and everything that I've been reading about uh, this game and and everybody that I've been listening to, Chris, is you know they're 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 asking. Well, Dwayne Haskins, this is his first true road start. Uh, you know, how is he going to handle 100,000 people you know at Penn State in the whiteout at night? It's is it is it going to be too much for him? All I have to say is just have no fear because I mean, just 2 weeks ago, Dwayne Haskins went into a tough environment at Jerry's World uh against TCU and basically what was a you it wasn't that big of a split, but it still was a was a big split t c u had the crowd edge there, and all he did was throw for three hundred and forty four yards complete sixty three percent of his passes with a 2-0 ratio Now, the other thing that I have to say about Dwayne Haskins and the fact that he doesn't he's never made a true road start that's that's true there's no denying that. however, all I got to do is look back at last year there's never going to be more of a pressure pack situation than than being down in the second half in the big house against your arch rival Michigan uh having to replace your injured star four-time all big 10 quarterback JT Barrett and he and what does he do he leads the come from behind win not just uh by with smoke and mirrors i mean the kid hit 6 of 7 for 94 yards in that second half to lead the comeback over Michigan uh so i don't think there's going to be any pressure on Dwayne Haskins in this game. I think he's going to have a, a, a fine outing. And Penn State, when you look at them... Uh, You know, they're not as impressive to me as what they've been uh, showing on the scoreboard. I mean, sure, they're undefeated, but they could have easily lost against App State in the opener. They've been uh, susceptible to slow starts this year. They had only 10 points the first half against App State. They only had 14 points in the first half against Pitt. They only had 21 points against Illinois just last week. Uh, I've been unimpressed with their defense. I love Ohio State's offense. Penn State hasn't shown a consistency enough to, to stop a run game or the pass game. Ohio State has had a huge yardage edge in the last two years of this meeting, of, of this game. While the, the score has been close in both, uh, the yardage, if you watch the game, Ohio State's manhandled uh, Penn State in both the meetings last year. I think Ohio State's got a better team than they've had the last two years. I don't think this Penn State team is as good as, as what they've been the last two years. And Ohio State laying three and a half. I'm going to say, Chris, I would not be surprised if the Buckeyes go out and, and blow Penn State out here.
1: Well, I don't know how confident I am in that, but I, I love your enthusiasm when it comes to this game. And you're right. Ohio State has dominated this the the box score in the last two years, plus 246 yards to, uh, last year, plus 137 yards two years ago. But somehow Penn State kept this game close two years in a row, mainly because of special teams. Well, Saquon Barkley's not returning kicks this year. Ohio State hopefully won't give up any blocked field goals, return for touchdowns, and Penn State's needed a lot of luck to stay in this game. I don't think that happens this year. I'm with you. Penn State, plus 175 yards a game this year, but they've had, they had a close win against App State, like you said. Uh, two deceiving scores where games were much closer than uh, the final score indicated. So I'm I'm with you. I like Ohio State here. I'll, I'll give the points and take the Buckeyes, who look like they are just rolling. And Haskins looks like the real deal, Heisman contender.
0: And don't and don't worry about the loss of Nick Bosa for Ohio State. I mean, that's the deepest part of their team, is the defensive line. And look for Chase Young to step up uh, in the in the absence of Nick Bosa uh, for Ohio State. If Penn State gets off to another slow start, I mean, they're just it's not going to end well for them. And Ohio State will roll, kind of like they did with Oklahoma a couple years ago. All right, now going on, Chris. We are going to do our uh, our weekly giveaway that we do here. So far, so good. Two and zero. One push last week. Uh, with the Utah versus Air Force game. And when we were looking at this week's power sweep issue, we wanted to keep it consistent, go with a two-star again. And we're actually going to go on a team that we kind of fell out of favor with uh, early on in the season, but we're going to go right back on the train. And it's not that we're going on Florida State, at least to me, Chris. This is mostly a play against game. And when I say play against, I'm talking about uh, Louisville. Florida State, Louisville, it was a two-star in our power sweep this week. We took Florida State. They're laying less than a touchdown. Uh, And again, mostly to me, it's a play against game because Louisville, uh, you know, it's one thing for Louisville to be limited on offense versus Alabama in the opener. I mean, that's expected. But come on. I mean, Louisville's offense couldn't even get anything going against Western Kentucky or against Virginia. We know Florida State has struggled on the offense, but— they uh, on defense, they held both Virginia Tech and a very potent Syracuse team to over 100 yards below their season average. So the defense is playing well. They're off their best effort of the season last week offensively against Northern Illinois. Yeah, I know it was just Northern Illinois, but I mean, I honestly, I'd probably take Northern Illinois over Louisville not right now uh, when I'm talking about this Louisville team that is struggling. So I have no problem. Uh, laying six and a half, laying under a touchdown. I think Florida State uh, taking them a little bit of uh, time to get adjusted to the new head coach and Willie Taggart. But I think they they showed enough last week where they can get by Louisville this week. And uh, again, I'm just not impressed with Louisville at all this year.
1: Well, you mentioned playing against Louisville. Our subscribers will remember last week we went against Louisville as our top play in power sweep. Virginia, a four-star, easy winner, 27-3. to Louisville never threatened in the second half. And uh, those games where Louisville was struggling offensively, they were playing a Western Kentucky team with a backup quarterback. Uh, they haven't moved the ball at all, less than 300 yards in every game this year. Number Offense is 122nd in the nation, averaging 98 yards a game below what their opponents are allowing. They can't settle on a quarterback. Jawan Pass one week, Malik Cunningham the next week. Then they go back to Jawan Pass. Who knows who it's going to be this week. It probably will be either one of those two. But neither of them have performed. They, they've uh, completed less than 50% of their passes, I believe. So uh, the the Louisville offense is at performing at a level that is far below what you expect from Bobby Petrino, who actually in, going into this year said it. He thought the offense would be improved, even though they lost Lamar Jackson. But uh, it's obviously not turned out that way. Uh, Another thing to look at with this game uh, is Louisville's defense. First off, how long can you keep sustaining your performance when your offense isn't performing? You eventually a lot of times will wilt. And this wasn't a defense that was supposed to be all that great to begin with. They only had three returning starters. Well, guess what? Out of those three returning starters, two of them didn't play last week and might not play this week. That includes their top three linebackers and their top pass rusher. All of them might be out this week. They're all questionable. All of them didn't play last week. So uh, it's easy for me to say, right now, you just play against Louisville. And Florida State's going to get better under head coach Willie Taggart. They, They struggled at the beginning of the year, but that's something that teams typically do with a new head coach. As time goes, they pick up the system. And there's no denying that Florida State has talent. So you have to think that as they pick up the system, they're going to play better. I don't know that Louisville is going to get it right. I'm not sure.
0: All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Power Suite podcast presented by North Coast Sports. Before we get out of here, along with that free play that we just gave you, I also want to uh, throw this out to you. Uh, we're going to give you $10 off uh, any late phone package this weekend. Just call our office at toll-free 1-800-654-3448. Let the operator know that you, you, you listen to the podcast. Chris and Antonio said you can take $10 off uh, any late phone package that we provide this weekend. Uh, as, as a thank you to our fans for listening. And, and let me throw this out also. If you have a question for next week's show, uh, feel free to send us a tweet. At NC Sports and the number one. Uh, you can send it there. You can send a tweet to myself, Castro's Kingdom. Uh, Van Dyne, what's your uh, go ahead and throw your Twitter.
1: At Chris V one six zero. That's Chris V one six zero.
0: So you can do any of that uh, if you have any questions about next week's game. Again, you get $10 off any late phone packs. You just mentioned, uh, mention either Chris or Antonio or I whenever you call in, and we'll get that uh, situated for you as well. Because, uh, again, great weekend this weekend with our NFL Game of the Month going, and our top NFL play is already off to a 3-0 and fantastic start this year. Again, everyone, thanks for listening uh, to the Power Suite Podcast presented by North Coast Sports. For Chris Van Dyne, I'm Antonio Castro, and we will speak to you again next week.